Hello and welcome to the Hope and Anchor Community Church Podcast. Each week, we'll bring you the latest preaching from our Sunday services. We hope that as you listen, you encounter God and you're encouraged to go deeper in your relationship with Him. Enjoy the message. Okay, John 9. Are we ready? Do you have the Bible? Do you like the Bible? Do you, you, do you own one? Who doesn't own a real, a physical Bible, the real deal? Something that you can really kind of like cry over and make it ugly, you know what I mean? Proof that the ink is not cheap, you know, like one does, like you can underline, and if you needed to underline it more than three times, you probably need repentance. Um, anyways, that's for the ones that have, have held one physically. There's a generation that only has it in their phone. I don't know if that's you, but if it's you, you're missing out. We're going to go to John. John. We don't talk enough about John. I don't think we, we actually study John properly. This is the guy that said, I am the one that Jesus loves. You know, when's that the last time that you woke up and say, ha, I'm the one that you love. Good morning. I mean, when was the last, last time you were bold in front of God? I don't know. But John is, is, is that guy. And he was actually kind of explaining to us several of the situations that we're having, they were having as disciples around Jesus. Mark, nice to see you, bro. And we're going to go into chapter 9, and we're going to pick it up in verse 6 to 12. And it says like this. After saying this, he spat on the ground and met some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors... And those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open? They asked. And he replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes and he told me to go to Siloam and wash so I went and washed and then I could see where is this man they asked him I don't know he said today we're gonna come under the topic I don't know now you may be super excited about this one I am I know but I want to give us a little bit of context before and after because I, I think in this, in this particular text that God is actually wanting to share with us, it is extremely important for us to see the two sides that are sandwiching this piece of text that we're studying today. I know that we're in John 9, 6, 12, but let's go to the beginning of John and the context that they were living. Jesus had just said that he was as big as Moses and he was actually the law. And actually he was there when everything was created so they hated Jesus Jesus was doing what Jesus does best create disruption most of us actually became Christians because we needed God to fix something not knowing that every time he's gonna fix something he takes it down most of the times when you go and fix an old structure you have to demolish before you put the new the foundations were right but they had departed through the walls and the curtains and the colors that they have given into their lives and the way they practice nearness to God, they practiced it in those days through religion. And they had departed from the foundations that he had set. 
So Jesus is putting the house straight. And he's saying, hey, the foundations show me, the blueprints show me uh, this is different. So you might have built a wall here that looks very stable, but it's just producing distance. So he's coming out of the bat, fighting with the Pharisees. He's breaking the rules, making enemies. The best thing that, enemy, that Jesus did, actually, was actually to create enemies. Jesus made more enemies than disciples. And most of the times when we follow that kind of Jesus, the radical Jesus, the one that gets into your finances and your sex life, something is going to happen. We invite him and we think, ah, oh, this is going to be great. But we just trouble. The more you follow Jesus, the more trouble you get. Every time you follow what he does and he says, you're, you're made to be found in front of a wall. That's the reality of life. Most of us in the daily have to say very honest in front of God, God, I don't want to do this. Or God, I shouldn't have done that. And I know better. This is a Jesus that is walking around and he finds a man. The Bible says in most cases, the people will find Jesus. But in this case, the Bible says that Jesus saw a man and the disciples asked him a question. So Jesus laid eyes on him. I see you. And I'm about to open your eyes, but before I can open your eyes, I have to talk with my disciples. And I have to talk with you and me today. Because Jesus is finding himself opening, opening eyes, making disciples and making enemies. Just a normal day. Jesus is actually facing the superstitions of this era and this moment in history. But maybe I beg to defer that is only then. Maybe today we have a little bit of the same superstition. Because if things go wrong, we think God is it's chastising us. God must be angry. Something negative comes happen. And we say, God, what did I do? In what I have not obeyed. I have tried to keep your commandments. We go very messianic on that. There was a lot of superstition. And the disciples come and actually ask him what we usually ask God when something happens that we are not expecting. Sometimes good things even. I've been blessed in such a way sometimes that I say, God, what are you doing? I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can hold this. I don't think I have the structures. The structures keep this. And God is saying, who asked you? And sometimes we are the same. We come to God when things are happening differently than we see or we perceive it should be. And we say, who sinned? This is the question that the disciples were asking Jesus before he spat on the ground I know it's not very orthodox of us. You don't go to the GP. You don't go to the, your doctor and he spits on the ground, makes a little bit of mud in that with saliva and actually heads on to your eyes with a good slap of that. That's not what we go to the doctor to. And usually we say, God, you heal me. But for real? This way? And Jesus is trying to break the superstitions of if I have to treat you, it's because you did something wrong. Back in the day, it was actually always meant to the historicity of the person. So it means the context, the parents, the family, the line, if they had followed God beforehand. So it says, if this is happening to you, if you didn't mess it up, your dad and your mom did some. And sometimes we're saying, Lord, I haven't done it, but who did it? And we're trying and we're looking for blaming the circumstances instead of getting the insight. Insight. And Jesus saw him and challenged the sight 
that they had in their hearts about the goodness and the dealings of God. Jesus comes from saying, I am he, and then he starts challenging everything that is distorted from looking at him properly. Truth be told, if we're honest, we're that blind. In so many areas, and sometimes we have the arrogance to think that we are worshiping God with all our hearts, with all our minds, when our minds are wandering around, homeless. But he's taking us home in this one. So we have a Jesus making enemies and disciples. We, we see that man that is, is, is actually kind of portrayed through uh, superstitions and the people's understanding, the truth they stand under, the limitations of the recognition of the person of God and his, and his ways. They're understanding this situation through his curiosity. But then we have a perspective that is very low. They're thinking about chastisement only instead of knowing the mercy. And Jesus came to live the law because that's a chastisement. But he came to establish the mercy and the grace that we find on the throne when we see differently. When our eyes are above the water. When we are looking at him instead of the situations and the understandings and, and what has happened. That is valid. This man never, never saw. This is not like other people that had lost their sight. This is not like others that, that just comes from, you know, a lineage of sin. Maybe it's not like some of us that actually come from sinning our way into a mercy that we don't know. This man never saw. This man was not a devout Christian. He's not someone that actually follows and goes to Hope and Anchor on a Sunday and actually goes in those outreach during the week and, and preaches to people in the office. It's not like you. This is a man that is distant from God. But Jesus saw him. And sometimes we think that we need to convince, convince God to look at us. It is one of the rare cases that Jesus is explained. The Bible never puts something randomly. It's for us to understand one thing. That's important. When God sees you, you're going to see different. And that's the best news that we have today. With this message, the most important thing is that God sees you. But what are we going to do with this? After this, Jesus breaking all the conventional, breaking all the, you know, disrupting all the, the tradition, we have the Pharisees. That after what we read, bring the man in. I want to sandwich this one. I don't want to tell you what was the context before. I want to sandwich with what happened afterwards. After Jesus spat, created mud, the guy obeyed. He was healed. After he was healed, he was brought in. Because whatever no one can own with their fingerprint, whatever they don't authorize that Jesus has done in his life and in your life and mine, people will have problems with. Because they want to own the work of God. They don't want to be owned by God. And as the church, we are guilty of the same. If God does it different, if God blesses someone that we don't think should be blessed, we make God a question, or two sometimes. Or in our hearts, we judge the matters of God with our own little wisdom, with our little understanding, with our perspective that is so low that we're still thinking who sinned. And we don't see it from the perspective of purpose and mercy. 
Mercy is not here to make you guiltless. Mercy is here for you to be able to reconnect with your purpose. So that's the gospel that Jesus was representing in every level. But he's called in. It's like you having to justify that God likes you. I wake up every day and I said it to so many people. I wake up every day knowing that I'm like a favorite. I know God likes me. I know he's going to bless me. He's been scheming behind the veil and he's going to bless me somehow that day. God is just, huh, wait, 922, blessing. There you go. And then I go back, God, what a word. He says, I know. But that was beforehand. That was planned beforehand. That was before. These people are sandwiching the blessing and not celebrating the God that blessed. They wanted to understand because they're still limited. They're understanding. They're standing under what is old. And Jesus says, I make all things new. I make everything that you never knew, you never saw. I give you not only responsibility, I reconnect you, I clean you. So instead of like praising God, they chase him out. He says like, okay, okay, he healed you. Mm. But by the way, they had told us that he did it on the day that nothing should be done. They did it on the Sabbath tradition, limited. Jesus said, I'm here, bro. I am your rest. I'm fulfilling the law of the Sabbath. It's not for you to keep your little Saturday. What do you do? Saturday means Saturn. It's actually a goddess. Saturn. Saturday. And if you keep your religion, you'll find rest on tradition, not finding on the person. So we are mixing. We're like those that were, were sealers about what Jesus had done, but still have not been able to leave behind who was dead? The old covenant. So Jesus is actually saying, I am your rest. Come to me and I will give you rest. I am your Sabbath. Sabbath was the day that he had to go down and pick up the keys for you and me. He defeated death and he rose again on the Sunday. But the Sabbath is when we rest. When everything looks dark and that tomb looks like it's impenetrable. That's when we have to find grace. The grace that leads us to this rest. So he's just, he's just showing off through someone that didn't have opportunity, that didn't know what they were walking into. Literally, they never saw themselves walk. They were described everything they could be able to touch, but they never, never were able to influence so much like in the moment that Jesus saw him and made him see. Third point of the aftermath, the sandwich of this, is that, you know what? He didn't keep the tradition, and his eyes were open, and religion, our enemies, our family members, and most of the time, ourselves. Once they want to know, what, how much is the damage of following Jesus? What is the damage that this miracle has caused in your life? Do you see that blessing? That blessing that a lot of people kind of like even think that you don't deserve? What is the damage that he has caused? What is the price of being blessed? For the, for the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the damage was extreme because everyone was started to look at Jesus instead of the religious dogma that it was in the time. They started looking at the grace and the power that was walking, that God walked with us. 
Jesus among us, Emmanuel, God with us. They start looking at that and saying, I can hope if Jesus, they said, give the glory to God, maybe. And then, and then this could be counted as a miracle. Don't let anyone say what God can do for you. When you're walking with Jesus, everything is full access. When you obey Jesus, when you go to Siloam, that means sent. When you are cleansed by God, you obey God. When you are sent by God, something happens. Something's happening in your spirit, in your mind, the way that you decide, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Something that happened is they wanted to retaliate against the less experienced. So they called the parents of the man. They said, okay, you know we are the law. And we know this. And we're respectable. We have kept this religion for ages. I know what I'm doing. I can teach you how to pray. And he came. They asked the parents. What is the damage? I don't know. The answer. I mean, you know, the prize for saying what Jesus had done for their kid was actually validating it as, their author as the authority of this man. So they could be thrown out of the synagogue. It means stoned. Not only the son will be stoned, they will be stoned. And you know what happens when there's consequences of your blessing for someone else? They leave you. They don't respect the momentum of God. And what happens? We feel that we have to justify it. And that's a lie. It will make sense in a minute. Don't worry about it. Jesus had opened your eyes. Everyone around you that knew you. Jesus has done something transcendental. No one before, happy birthday. No one after had lived it. And what happened? Everyone was questioning if it was valid. What do you do when the people that should surround you don't validate you? Or don't even more celebrate you? Because I can validate you. But it's so spiritual when we celebrate. Essentially celebrate what God has done. So they called this man after the parents. Because the parents said, you know what? He's old enough. You can ask him. We don't want to be kicked out. If you're going to kick someone, kick him. He's the one that has been blessed. I mean, we were the parents of the blind person. You're asking us, was he really blind since he was born? He said, we can certainly say that. And now he sees. Who did it? Ask him. I want to see my son seeing. I want to see the fruits of my son, my daughter, you, my mates, walking with Christ. But what if that brings consequences? In the world that we're living, we're near a moment that seeing and knowing that your brother, your sister is walking with Christ will bring consequences. And that's the ultimate test of love. That's when we're going to be trialed. That's another day. Don't worry about it. So they, they call the man back and they say, hey, stick to tradition. Glorify God. 
and then we can actually count as truth and we'll notarize it on our books like something happened. And the guy said, um, uh, I see what you're doing. One thing I know. I don't know if this man will follow your traditions. You call him a sinner. I don't know if he's a sinner. I cannot prejudge someone because I don't know what you think you know about this man. But one thing I do know, once I was blind, but now I see. But now I don't know, but now I see. I don't know how he did it. I mean, it makes no sense. A lot of scientific people that try to just rigorously kind of understand the Bible, they said, well, it was the, miner the minerals in the area, and they go and grab a little piece of, you know, a, a sample of the earth and just mix it a little bit with the, the pool of Salom. And, and they, they go, wow, with that, I don't know. Maybe it's the chemistry. Because we want to explain God to people, but God cannot be explained. We have to stand under through revelation. Our arrogance has to die. You cannot explain that. There comes to a moment that in your testimony, someone is going to ask you, but how? And you say, I don't know. But, but now, I see. I don't know how that heck happened. But now. I don't know. It started with I don't know, but now. And I know this guy is a prophet. I try to start explaining it. And that's when it gets dark. Because when I want to justify what God has done for me through explaining what I understand of Him only and not leading the people to have revelation instead of information, I can lose my know, my knowledge of Him, my now of Jesus. There's a couple elements, and I'm going to go really quick through those. Elements. To this story that are transcendental and we're just going to do this in a teaching way. Is that okay? First of all, geographically, we're in this pool of Salom. It actually means sent. The actual name of it. Not invented it. Go and read the Bible. I read it for you, but you can read it by yourself. It's awesome. So we are in the, in the, in the, in the pool of being sent. And all of us have been sent. What do we do with that? It's up to each one of us. It's for us to actually ponder upon the Lord and be honest with Him. Are we sent? And if we are going into that pool, what are we doing? Are we obeying? Or are we just kind of like charismatically going to a Sunday moment and say, I've been sent, but you don't do anything of the sent kind of style of people and what I do. So that's good. Geographically, where are you standing in your faith? We have elements on this. The first element is the saliva. If you actually were into forensics, saliva actually is one of the main ingredients of evidence. So the creator of the heavens and the earth spoke unto being. But then when he wanted to do something with us, he created from the earth. So Jesus uses his identity. If you are swapped around in your mouth, they know what is living in you. It's not only COVID. <laughs> they know your identity. They know your age. They know what you've eaten. They know maybe other things that are running around in your body that are not desirable essentially identifies you uniquely. So the uniqueness of God, the identity of God met the mod. So from the saliva and the essence of God and the sacred of God and the 
the first ink of history, the first ink that signed the first covenant, his saliva, we get a little bit of earth and create a little mud. I don't know if you know that it's London, the city that you are sitting on right now, some of you are standing, walking around, is the first city that they emancipated, they killed the meaning, the strength of the word of mouth. This is the city that hosted the first contract by signature. This is the city that we said your voice, your saliva, your essence, your identity is not enough to sign. Back in the day, and I don't want to be gross, back in the day you would spit in your hand and you would shake hands on a contract because it was your essence. It was everything that I am is signing this covenant with you. So it's the first ink of history. And it's God's. It is not humanity. It's God. His essence, His covenant spits the ground and says, I remember from where I made you, I'm going to recreate. So the mud is made out of His identity and essence mixed with our, our earth, our commonality, our fragility. So when God and His essence is mixed with our common, with our fragility, it brings us into His divinity. It is God in us, the hope of glory we have read. It also brings us into His essence. We can think differently. We can perceive differently. It makes us sacred, separated. It creates in us the ability to stand under who He is and not only the law. I don't know if He's a sinner, but I know He healed me. There are things that we cannot explain from God. It doesn't matter how many years you have been a follower of Christ. You will still have questions. Away with you worshiping your mind. Be free to follow without having to understand the entirety of Him. Let the mud hit your eye so you can be healed. Let His essence, His sacredness, His covenant hit your humanity so strong that you don't care about your reputation and how it gets done as long as you can see what he sees as long as you can cre create with him what he created before the foundations are you following me so we have the saliva we have the mud and we have god but then we have us because God, we have his divinity, his essence, his sacredness. But it meets with us and the common. What do you do? What happens? Have you ever asked God, what happens to this area of my life if you meet it? What do I do with that? What should be producing? What does it produce in my life that you talk to me in the morning, that you spoke to me when I'm before bed, that you gave me shelter even on my dreams, that your divinity created in me even shelter from diseases, Lord? What does it do? What is, what is it supposed to produce? Because we have the saliva, we have the mud, but what did it produce? Because when God hits your coming, it's supposed to produce something. We are saved for a reason. We love to ponder about our calling. But that most of the time is our ego. What does it produce? Because when God stands in a room, when God does something, when he hits us, when he spits the ground 
And he co-creates with our brokenness. Something has to happen. I don't know, maybe you are like me, that I hide my brokenness. I hide my humanity. I'm running from because I think I'm not going to be loved. I'm not going to be understood. If I hide it from God, God knows I hide it from you. But you're not different. And the well knows. Because the church we have forgotten. We want to explain what has happened to us in a way that they accept it. But it's not for that, that we have been set free. It is for purpose. When the saliva, the essence of God, the identity of God hits my fragile, my common, it produces in us the uncommon. It starts revamping our inside. It highlights the favor of God upon our life. That, that we do, that no one knows, even us, why we do it. Why is it so easy for this person to go through turmoil and then come out at the other side looking fresh? That's the favor of God. You know you've been spat. You know there's a little bit of mud still in there. And you're still washing. And sometimes there are seasons that you forget. I was like, oh, there's a little bit left over. You know when you actually wash your face and you don't take the time to take all the soap from your face? What happens? You open your eyes. <laughs> there's a little bit left. You go back to your salon. You go back to your calling. You go back to being sent. And you remember why you got saved. Why you got healed. It was not for you to just look. It's for you to understand that he still, he still is the king. The uncommon has to hit the personal, yes. But it also has to become public. It has to become collective. This man had to go back and say, I don't know. But one thing I can tell you is that he healed me. You can go against him if you want, but I know he did what your religion couldn't do, what your rules couldn't do, what your stigmas to me, what your criticism, what your opinions couldn't do about me. Are you the blind man? I guess I was. I was. Nah. For real, I am. When was the last time someone actually that begged for people to recognize me as someone that had issues? I am that guy. I struggle with that. Yeah, I'm that one. When was the last time you did that in your life? They said, you know what? Let me tell you something. I used to struggle with these things. And God has been helping me. When was the last time you boasted on your own weakness, Paul would say? Because the power of the gospel, the Christ that lives in us, flows. When we are in that place, the now of Jesus. I don't know. Now. The now of Jesus. Where is the now of Jesus in your life? Are you staying with what he has done? What he has done externally? Because I beg to defer that he wanted to do something a bit deeper. And he's still wanting to do something deeper inside of each one of us. He's not going only for your eyes. He wants to enlighten your eyes. The eyes of how you understand, Paul would say. In Ephesians. Ephesians actually says, in Ephesians 1, 18, 21 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know, you may know, the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people, in his people, not only for his people, in, inside, the inside, the eyes of your heart. So you will understand the richness, the glorious inheritance that you are his people. 
and His uncomparable great power for us who believe. Today we stand with a Jesus that is actually creating a case for us to be free from tradition and what people think of us and what we think of ourselves. From our yesterday and our traditions. He's freeing us from the common to make us uncommon. So an uncommon person can create uncommon circumstances in their proximity so people will know. And he says that that power is the same as the might strength. The mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. God is saying, I give you this. If you believe in my son, I give you this. Christ came from the dead and he seated, seated him at his right hand in heavenly realms far, far above. All rule and authority, power and dominion. What we criticize, what we suffer. He's far above from all that. Every name that is invoked is less than that. Not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Jesus is saying, let my divinity hit it. If you have it in front of you, show me. If people doubt me, talk about it. If people don't perceive it, walk from it. You don't have to justify me. I came to justify you. We have been justified in Christ. And He is enlightening not only the physical, but enlightening our heart in this season. We are that kind of church that is blind. But we have been spat on so many times. And every area in our life has have a little, little bit mud in there, yo. And as we walk with Christ, as we are sent, as we obey what He sent us to do, as we go and wash, as we go, as we obey, as we go, as we obey. No, it's only if we believe, as we act, so we can know. This is the kind of, of church that he's looking for, the kind of believer. So we have been sent. He has given us his essence. He has mixed himself with our brokenness. He has paid the price to clean us and to produce uncommonality. We can have the worship team back. But there's a reason. He's, he doesn't want this to stay with us. He doesn't want it to stay only with the collective. That's where he left it. He left it as a testimony. And don't get me wrong. We will, we will win this by the power of the blood and the, and the power of the word, the testimony that lives in us. But if not, we'll end up as something that he did. And not your real, not your time, not your right now. We have been spat for uncommonality. That was a very uncommon type of miracle. Usually when you want to heal something, you don't make it worse before. <laughs> and sometimes he has to, to show us how fragile, how mundane we are. Not to discourage us or humiliate us but to humble us to be able to go and watch and watch again and go back again and understand the power of why we have been sent and what lives in us I don't know but now I see so we have been sent
we have been sent and we have obeyed. And that has made us become uncommon. But we got to know the Jesus. The Jesus that still lives in us now. I don't want to be doing the same stories, things that happened to me 3,000 years ago. Those are great. We should use them. They're great. But I have the possibility of keeping on with Jesus. Standing on what he is. Not who he was, what he is. And that keeps on producing his freshness, better sight, better, more complete understanding. I can understand, stand under better when I'm with him. We have become uncommon, but don't stop there. Follow. I believe the Lord has spoken. I believe God has released the word that is in season and quite seasoned. I believe God has done something today. I think there's an atmosphere of conviction. There's almost like a revolution inside of retaliating, you know, against our laziness, emotional, spiritual, even mental. I believe God came to empower and to release over each one of us momentum. He's the stronger force that can push us far above the things that we are living, the names and the authorities and the criticisms and our own perceptions and maybe the others. He's that that drives us home. He's that that sees us, that makes us uncommon, but not for our own benefit. For the people to know, and this is the message of this house, that he is king. But we got to be humble. And humility doesn't mean explaining what he has done for you or having to look for excuses to explain how good he is. Or why he corrects you the way that he corrects you. Do not be entangled by religion. Understand that he calls you, that he sees you, that he sends you, that as you obey, he not only cleans you, he makes you of value, of hope for others. And in that way, like Ephesians says, you will know the surpassing greatness and power that lives in you. The identity of the king mixed with your common, with your fragile. The king is in you. He's not only for you. He's not only through you. He's in you. Keep up with your king. He's worth it. He's the only thing that is worth anything. If God has spoken to you, you can join me in your feet. If he hasn't, you can stay with the luxurious seats. Maybe you can fake it and stretch. Say the Lord, yes. That was an amen right there. No, you're stretching. Maybe God has been speaking to you and you don't know how to even face the types of blindness that you have. Maybe as we, you, were, you were hearing this, you were hearing also his voice pointing. The Holy Spirit was convicting you. And that's not for you to feel less. That's for you to be more free. That's for you to walk on. That's for you to overcome that line that means that he's a prophet only. For you to be able to walk as a disciple. 
So let's pray. If this is you, you can lift up your hands. If you need prayer, we have people on both sides after the columns on the other side. We want to pray with you and for you because God has something for you today. Father, thank you for seeing us, Lord, in our brokenness, in our fragility, Lord. Father, thank you for keeping on investing, Father, when we don't know the now of you, Lord. You keep on and you see us, Lord. And you send us. And Father, you make us uncommon for a reason. Not to luxuriate only, Father, in the goodness of what you've done. But Father, to be able to know you now. To know you now. So Father, when we don't know and we're humble. I don't know, but I do know something. You have healed us. You have sent us. And Father, your power lives in us. So Father, we pray. Like Paul prayed for, for the church of Ephesus, Lord. That is in our lives, Lord. Your lights, your sight. Father, your victories in us, Lord. At the other side, would meet us, Lord, with enlightenment. With truth that changes our forever, Lord. That, Father, we don't have to walk back, Father, to religion and condemnation, Lord. But we can stand up, Father, repent and carry on, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, all, all condemnation, Father. Father, anything that comes from you that is not for us to repent and follow, any condemnation and religion that lives in us, Father, have your way. Clean us from that. We don't want our righteousness to become our God. Father, everything good in us is unrighteous in front of you. You're so much above. So, Father, when we think we're better, show us who you are so we will know. Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, we ask for every fear, Father, of the consequences of your blessing. Father, the consequences of being understood or misunderstood, Lord. Father, we pray that we will give us hearts that are humble and brave. That we'll be able to walk on the truth, Lord. On the season that you've given us, Lord. On the sight that you have given us, Lord. With humility, understanding where we finished and when you started, Lord. So when we come into moments, Lord, that we're asked what happened there, what happened in this area or the other of our lives, we will know that it was you, Lord, that you have chosen us, that you mixed up your identity with our fragility and you produce glory and favor and grace and mercy, Lord, beyond our understanding. That, Father, we will have to know that when you mix yourself with us, everything changed. Father, today, if you would, Lord, would you reach us? Would you touch our minds in this place, Lord? Father, heal minds, heal feelings, Lord. As you walk through the room, Lord, heal emotions, heal ways of understanding, Lord. Heal, heal the way that we even make decisions, Lord. Have your way. Mix yourself, love, with all that we are. Clean us, Lord, and we will be pure as snow, whiter than snow. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or would like to share how God is speaking to you through this message, let us know on any of our social media platforms. Make sure to visit our website, hopeandanchor.org, for more information on who we are as a church and to find out how you can be part of the Hope and Anchor family. 
Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.